everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJMike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. Mike, we are finally back. I think this is the longest break we have taken. Yeah. We began the podcast. Uh, It's been obviously summer. Both of us have a million things going on. We're trying to get back into a normal routine of one time per week, bringing our thoughts on all things Jets. And right now, I mean, there's a million different ways we can go and talk about, but we attended training camp. We had a hell of a time there. It's a fact. We got there and, and had probably collectively 11 beers in the parking lot. Mike is usually a beer or two ahead of me at all times. And then it bigger. grows throughout the day. Yeah. Mike's a bigger dude than me. And we drank, got there, had a good time. Mike caught a football and broke a fence down. Dude, Ryan Griffin caught a touchdown from Zach Wilson. Probably wasn't really a touchdown. He just kind of like ran into the end zone after not getting tackles because it's training camp. Threw the ball up. I saw it go up. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to catch that ball. Caught it, broke the fence. Mean equipment guy came and took the ball from me, which I was expecting. I wasn't expecting to keep the ball. <laughs> and then everyone booed the guy. So then they, they gave me a new ball. It's great. I love it. I love it. So we have a lot of hypotheticals that we're going to get to. We had the tweet go out and a lot of people responded and we have some ridiculous ones. We have some that are maybe take it too far, but we're ready to answer all of them in a moment, but we'll go ahead and, and talk about training camp and what has happened so far and the position battles. And obviously we'll begin with quarterback Wilson QB one on the depth chart that came out today, Mike white QB two Morgan QB three. Um, you know, Wilson, even though I tweet out fake training camp stats that he's looking amazing at all times, you know, he's having rookie pains and he's having days where you'll see he'll dominate the red zone. I think that's an area he's been very, very well in when you look at all the beat writers and, and what they're saying, doesn't seem to have a pick in the red zone, maybe one seems like in the middle of the field, he's been struggling a little bit, but you can't expect anything different. I didn't think he was going to go out there and be a, a dominant guy with brand new receivers coming from BYU. So I think it's normal rookie pains. Mike, what are your thoughts on Wilson through the first couple weeks here? Yeah, plus he missed the first practice, so that doesn't help. And um, no, all signs are that Wilson's been, you know, okay and solid, and that's kind of what you would have expected. If he was lights out, we'd be like, whoa. You know, we'd be like, oh, my God. Um, If he was horrible, they'd be like, you know, some people would be a little concerned, but it's still super early. But I think he's right in the middle, and – it seems like most of the other rookie quarterbacks are kind of similar. Like Trevor Lawrence had a couple of bad days and uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields aren't even supposed to be the starters. So mm-hmm. kind of different with those guys, Mac Jones, same thing. Cam Newton's going to start. So look, Zach's been solid. And, and then how about uh, our other rookie sensation, Mr. Elijah Moore is out of his mind. Elijah Moore, he's been great. And I think the coolest thing is he hasn't had a down day yet. You hear every every practice how he's the you know even if he has one catch it's a diving catch for forty yards right and we saw it in person by far the fastest guy in the field on that eighty yard touchdown that Wilson threw to him he just made a double move for no reason at the end of the play which is hilarious like he had one defender to beat like cut left cut back right cut left he did end. like the entire field he like cut to the left hash and then ran all the way to the right and then all the way left all the way to the right. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good transition to, you know, something I find interesting. Uh, Elijah Moore on the second team right now, the depth chart right. behind Keelan Cole, Crowder, and Mims. But Moore isn't 
you know, they have Crowder in the slot and Moore is listed behind Cole on the outside. Braxton Barrios is the two behind Crowder, which makes sense. And then Mims coming in at two and we'll get to Mims in a second, but to cap off on Moore, the thing about Elijah Moore is we didn't, it wasn't a need on paper right away, right? We got Crowder, we got Davis, we got Cole who had a pretty good year last year under the radar, right? You have Mims, then you have guys, Barrios, Vincent Smith, and Jeff Smith, Smith yeah. Lawrence Cager, four guys who played real football last year, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, we have a pretty deep receiving core. At 34, maybe we don't go receiver. The reason why they make this move, and I think it's become more glaring, is they they picked him because they think he's a like a generational talent. Like he, they think he's that good at wide receiver, and you don't. He's not the build of a Calvin Johnson, right? He's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but. If they think he is the number one or two receiver in the draft and you can get him in the second round, I get why you have to take him. And I get if Crowder's not your long-term plan, he can be a slot guy and he can play outside. And I think he brings versatility to a position that for years the Jets were not young and good at wide receiver, and now they are. So I, I'm very, very happy with Moore and that pick there. Well, I tweeted it today. I said it, it was in December. I was in Punta Cana, and I tweeted out – Hey, I'm in Punta Cana sitting on the beach thinking about who the number one receiver next year beside Jameson Crowder and Denzel Mims will be. And if you told me in December that we would have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, I'd be like, eh. Because on that tweet, I'm like, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, who's it going to be? You know, some more high-profile guys. And then, you know, we ended up with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. I'm much, much happier now thinking about that scenario than I would have been in December. And I'm equally disappointed about the cornerbacks, which is what we thought the Jets were going to do at 34. We said, hey, look, they're going to take an offensive lineman. They're going to probably take a corner. Um, Maybe they'll take two offensive linemen. And, of course, they're going to take Zach Wilson um, with picks two – 14 and uh, thir- and 34 and of course they ended up trading up and to get to get Elijah Vera Tucker and they, they mm. so that's the offensive line and they took Zach Wilson and then with the other pick you're like oh they're probably gonna take a corner or like another like an edge rusher and you know they took him Elijah Moore he said eh, we're not really sure and now he looks like he's a freaking maniac yeah yeah 100% and then carries into the Mims conversation I think me and Mike have been very on the same page on Mims and we think we're in the middle of everything, right? We don't think immediately you can call him a number one receiver like people did. And obviously you can't call him a bust, right? He had a year where if you pace that over a full healthy season, like was it 780 yards? A little less. Like he was on pace for more, but he averaged like 39 yards a game. So like 670, 700, like he was fine. He was pretty productive. It was productive. And it was also with the worst head coach in the NFL and a terrible, terrible offense. Now, I understand if he was hurt in the, the beginning of OTAs and LaFleur Salah said, we love Cole and Douglas loved Cole. So they bring him in and they say, he's got to learn the system and maybe this lights a fire under him. And now we're deep at that position. So if he wins and he beats people out and he plays nuts on camp and at practice, you have to play him. They know that if he hasn't done that, he's going to be a two that I mean he's going to be a, a second string guy and I think that's that, that's where Mims falls right now it's just good to know that if Corey Davis gets banged up out of bounds on a, a play the drive doesn't end if it's third and eight right instead of having Vince Josh Smith Malone out there or Josh Malone or Jehu Chesson you have Denzel Mims who can win a win a route so it's it's a pretty good problem to have 
nothing on the offensive line surprises me except at right tackle they put Fant and Moses in the yeah, first spot which you just can't do like I don't think that's a thing on depth charts but they can do I guess whatever they want and and on the other side Pirine uh, a second team uh, behind Coleman who's a one Ty Johnson three Mike, Michael Carter Josh Adams and Austin Walter four and I think the Michael Carter thing, you'll notice that they have him on special teams as the number three kick returner. I think number three punt returner as well. They'll put him there for now. I think it's one of those things that he'll be the two at the end of the, the training camp and maybe he'll be the one after week two or three. People were have put eye emojis on that. <laughs> it doesn't out. matter, especially like the Elijah Moore in the second team and Tyler Cross in the third team on there. Like Tyler Cross is probably going to play the most – out of any of the tight ends, I'd imagine. Like, even if, you know, maybe him and Herndon will be split, but Croft is the better blocker anyway. The Jets are going to run a lot of two tight end stuff. But uh, even back to to Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims, I tweeted something out a couple months ago also, before training camp, before everything, like right, like a little bit after the draft. And I said, who do you think will have more career receiving yards, Elijah Moore or Denzel Mims? Mims has whatever, like a 350-yard head start. It was kind of split. Like a lot of people are still saying more, but now if I ask that question, 100% of people would say Elijah Moore and nothing has happened yet. He hasn't even played a game. And it's like, you know, everyone is completely sold on this guy and everyone's like, oh, Mims might get cut. There's weird rumors and reports. <laughs> it's well, like in how I met your mother, Barney, the character, Barney, Neil, Neil uh, Patrick Harris says new is always better. And that's just how people think. And you get excited yeah. about things that more recently happened. Elijah Moore has also been much more impressive in training camp, but like Denzel Mims was like a really good prospect. And there were 12 receivers that got drafted last year in the first two rounds. He ended up going 12th out of those guys, but it wasn't really supposed to. He be was mocked seventh, maybe, you know, the sixth best receiver, right? He was right. all over the place, but. And he was good and he did it like cool stuff and he made impressive catches. And I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. And and another, you know, unique aspect to the, the Mims debate and Moore is Moore was picked 15 spots ahead of him or 13, 15, whatever. So if a team wanted to trade up there, they'd have to give up a two, right? Like Moore is a better prospect. So I would have picked Moore in that poll. And I think I did. And people, you can, in the same sentence, say Moore is a better prospect. And I think he knew bigger things with this team and still think Mims is a good football player and can contribute. That's where I stand with him. Uh, but I think that covered the offense. On, on the defensive side of the ball, the one standout to me is Hamza Nazruddin, starting linebacker. Because remember, he was the sixth pick, the sixth-round pick, and Jamie Sherwood was the fourth-round pick. And those are two guys that they're going to transition from safety, get him in linebacker, and, and Nazruddin gets the nod here. Everything else, I think the cornerback group is pretty standard other than Isaiah Dunn. A lot of people thought he would get with the ones and he's on the threes with Echols being at two. And and the number one punt returner, as I'm happy, is Braxton Berrios and Corey Ballantyne, number one kick returner. The depth chart came out. A lot of commentary around that. Um, it's been a fun day on Twitter for a lot of reasons. A lot of people having fun. But, Mike, any last thoughts on that depth chart or anybody on the defense side of the ball? Yeah, wondering what will happen with Blake Cashman because anything mm. out of him is gravy before he pulls his muscles. But here's the thing um, i got to say. Yeah. Mike, you are one of the most optimistic fans, and you really do not let anybody 
tell you how to feel about another player. And I love that about you. Everything's authentic. But you, you wait for a player to give you a reason to hate them. Yes. I feel like Cashman's a little early on for you to hate him. <laughs> I don't hate Cashman. I just think uh, I actually do. I, that was a little bit of a sarcastic take, but no, I think he should be the starting like will linebacker. And then, mm-hmm. but really how, how could you um, count on him to play meaningful football? The guy just misses all ever, you know, he just doesn't I play. So I, I'm excited for Nazareth Dean. Um, Cause and he's bigger than Sherwood and, and he made some, apparently made a couple nice plays in, in training camp and, I remember he has a cool pick six in college that I like. So he is on my radar, but between those three guys, look, one of them, like between Cashman, Azrael Dean and Sherwood, hopefully you have a good starting, you know, will guy. Uh, I'm not too convinced, but, and I don't, I don't hate Blake Cashman. I just am disappointed with him. He was supposed to be more of a contributor and he just can't stay on the field. It's frustrating. He's supposed to be a, a tackling machine, right? You can lose yeah. coverage, but that was his thing coming out of college. But no, I, I agree. You don't hate him. But I do, I do commentary. I also feel in my brain, he's still a second year guy. When he's he's technically a third year guy. He is a third. What do you mean? Yeah, he played. You know, he played last year too. Right, right. You don't right. even. It's like crazy. It's like we don't even remember him because he's just been out. It's so like I have to talk about one of the things that I've been thinking about during our break from the podcast. So going into the off season. The Jets had a lot of needs. They're a two and fourteen team. I tiered them in the most important needs to the least important needs. The most important one was head coach and quarterback. Tier one. Done. You think of the head coach, they got potentially the number one option. And then at quarterback, they take a quarterback number two overall and net a second round pick. So the two toughest things you have to do, done. Agreed. And the important ones, tier two, O-line, edge, get younger and faster at skill positions. O-line, you get... No corner? Hear me out. Hear me out. O-line, you get AVT, number one guard in the draft, and Morgan Moses, top tackle in free agency after everything kind of, you know, fizzled out. I got... you know, Thune, top guard in free agency. Moses wasn't supposed to hit the market. We got him. So very, very good improvement on the O-line. Edge, you get Carl Lawson, who's been dominating camp. Yep. Get younger and faster at skill positions. Corey Davis and Keelan Cole are two guys that are not young in their primes, probably about to get to the part where they're at the back end of their primes, but more Michael Carter. So two guys, running back and wide receiver. So, okay, tier two positions now perfect right tier three this is where because you have young corners that you kind of like you need to get a veteran corner tier three that's the easiest thing that you can do is you get a veteran corner and get a backup quarterback those are my tier three things for joe douglas to do and we've talked about it a million times in the pod he hasn't done it yet and that's fine right you don't have to do everything in one offseason my take is the two easiest things that he could have done hasn't been done yet. And they have the money to do it, both things. And they have the money to do it. So it's, it's something I've been thinking about. And, I, and I, I think sometimes I get frustrated because those simple things, I'm like, just do it, Joe Douglas, right? Whatever. 
then he does crazy things where you're like, okay, he gets Michael Carter in the fourth round and he trades up and gets the number one guard in the draft and he gives rid of a prima donna for two runs, right? You got to take it for, for the good. So that was my thought process, that tier ranking of what we needed and what we got. I'm satisfied, but a little bit left to be desired. Yeah, no, I would have put cornerback in tier two, especially because it's like the most glaring need on the team personnel wise. Maybe they just want to run a scheme that, you know, doesn't value corners as much as some other franchises, but cornerback is probably the third most important position in football behind quarterback and offensive tackle, I would argue. So mm-hmm. The fact that the Jets are just ignoring corners is super annoying. You saw Bless Austin come out today and say that, you know, he thinks he's the real deal. Him and Bryce Hall would have been like higher round guys and they both got hurt. And um, I mean, there's something to it. And I I like Bless Austin, but he's been having like an okay camp also. Gets beat a lot. And like, I don't trust him to be the real number two guy going forwards. If one of Bryce Hall or Blessed Austin, though, is really a number two or one A type corner going forward, we are in a very good spot. Like, I understand the Jets thought, just it yeah. seems kind of like it's just inconsistent. Because th- you could say, oh, the Jets went two and 14. Let's see what any young guy does for any position. Why do we have to do this random experiment at cornerback? Yeah, it's, it's odd. And I think the, the thought process would be you're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Why not? That, that, Hear me Fuck out. that. On, our, the, on, our, on Zach Wilson as a rookie, you don't assume he's going to win the Super Bowl. What you do is you have seven to eight young corners compete. If no one becomes a, like, stands out as, okay, that, that's a number one corner, hopefully you find guys that can be number twos, threes, or depth guys. And then you ball out in free agency on a corner and or use one of your top 50 picks, you have four of them next year on a corner. And then you're like, oh, shit, we have all the young depth guys figured out. Now we have a legit one corner. Someone emerges with a two, and we can draft a guy. Then I think they say, okay, we're done. I agree, but I you know. could have literally said the same exact thing last year. You could have said the same exact thing. You just said Bryce Hall played eight games. Bless Austin played the whole year. Javelin Gidry played seven games. We, have, we know these guys are like, okay, we have, fi- we have 50 million they- in cap. We have four top 50 picks. Let's get a number one corner and a second guy here. It's like... It's the same exact thing, and things happen quickly in the NFL. We don't have time to, to do an experiment with eight random cornerbacks and see, oh, maybe this guy's the two, this guy's the three. Especially in a year where, you know, the Dolphins are okay, the Patriots are eh, the Bills are still good, but not unbeatable. This is the time to do it. We have a quarterback on his rookie deal. We have money left over, and there are veteran cornerbacks out there. We have a, now a top five defensive line potentially. We have talented linebackers. We have, a, we have a very good safety core, safety group in Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner. I'm sick to my stomach still by this shit, and I'm sick of the Jets defending it because they could host a just, you, have a, you have a practice squad. You have a million guys. You have all these players. We have to just have an open competition randomly for only 23 and under cornerbacks this year. I'm not happy about it. The thing, the good thing is you're on record, not being happy about it. And I'm on record, not being happy. They didn't add one veteran corner, but I'm kind of excited to see what happens now. No, it's, it's, good. It's, still, it's, it's not the worst thing ever. It's I, I do understand why they're doing it. I just don't know why they picked the most important one of the top three most important positions in football to do this. Very unique. Very, very unique. But um, 
we'll do the hypotheticals now. I do need to note that I ran away to do the podcast and my brand new puppy just shit all over the living room. So <laughs> now I, that's, I, I will not be greeted kindly back into the living room. After it that. literally looks like an Ewok. It's the cutest fucking puppy ever. It is pretty and cute. And Ewoks are pretty cute. I'm sitting um, next to my roommate's dog and it's just like... Just chilling there? It's not that It's not the dog that I tweeted out that had 300 replies from Jet fans providing different <laughs> dog names that were absolutely incredible. Let's, you know, I think we've been potting for about a half hour now. Let's rip we through have? some hypotheticals and have Dude, a good time, time here, right? Time flies when you're fucking talking Jets. Oh, yeah. So Matt O'Leary, friend of the program. Good guy. Verified. Would you rather try to block Carl Lawson or take a pass rush rep against Mackay Becton? I think this is the easiest, easiest answer ever. Now, what is the, like, just once? Like, one out of one? I have to either sack the quarterback or block the I think person? It's you, I, I think it's not what you're going to be successful at. What would you rather do? What would I rather do? Uh, probably just take a pass rush up against Mikhail. Just run around him. No, no not no? the answer. You think it's Lawson? How are you supposed to block Carl Lawson? Well, that's the thing. You go to block him, and he'll like swipe you, bull rush you, or get at like you'll. That's fine. You'll get hit out, and then he'll go get the quarterback. Mikhail back then is going to pancake you, and then like finish the tackle on top of you and like murder you. Yeah, but I disagree. I'll just run up, like sideways. Like who cares? Like like it's a it's pass rush. Job, it's not like, so you're it's not running, a like. <laughs> He's I'll, just, chase you down. Like, I'll just run to the left like, and just run away from him. That's, that's a good play by me. That will get him out of the play. That doesn't count as a pass rush rep. Oh, so I have to like, really try to I, get around him? Yeah, that's, I think that you have to try to block Lawson. That's why when you try to go block him, he's going to just run by you. And- I think Lawson is going to more ferociously attack me than I would like, attack Beckton. Like, Beckton will be happy if I just like, go near him and like, he'll push me. Because yeah. like, he did his job. Like, Lawson has to murder me. It's an amazing Twitter handle name, but a sad question. But it's, it's a fair question. Uh, Yankee Stadium Cat Resurgence Bandwagon is the name. Uh, asked about the, the passing of Greg Knapp and if that'll have a negative or positive impact on the team. I think I, – I don't know if I can say either way. I think you assume negative just because it kind of just throws everybody for an emotional week, and obviously they'll be, he'll be on their mind for most of the season. And you've definitely seen things in the past where teams come together around a common – calls and, and really rallied around it but in this instance I, I really don't know how that that'll impact the team i'm glad they'll have the decal for gk but other than that i, I don't know about the impact that it will definitely have yeah super sad hopefully the players are just a little motivated by it play for the family for the you know get a little fired up about that kind of stuff but that's uh super sad and that was a tough one yeah we're bouncing back with a good question here though positive one Still a good mm. question before, but a positive one. John McNally. Cool. No one else Gage, died? That's good. If, if Adam Gage really was your kid's high school football coach, <laughs> would you allow your son to play for him? If so, would you start a fire Adam Gage chant every game? I would let my son play for him because I would have more Twitter content, and I would be correct, which would be hilarious <laughs> if he was actually at Lincoln High School. But I, I would let him play. I don't think I would start a fire Adam Gage chant I don't know. I think that's kind of ballsy to do at a high school football game. Like, I, I can be the big bad boy and say I would do it, but I'd probably watch there and giggle and tweet the entire time. If he does become a high school coach, we have to move to whatever like district he is and, and, yeah. and like have kids like immediately. So just in case he's there in like, you know, 20 years, well, how, what, 15 years 
our kid will play for him. You, you know how like the the morning after something like oh, uh, the high school football stats will come out. I'll I would do in game like track all his stats like in the the high school average run per play has to be like over six yards a carry, and Adam Gage had like two point four for his offense. I'd love to track. <laughs> Where he stands. And so if your son was 37, then he would play. Yeah. Yeah. Mad underscore NYR. Do you think Dan Feeney takes good, extremely important care of the mullet and mustache every day? He's got it, right? His wife followed me on Twitter. Really? Is she, yeah. is she cute? Very, very, very good looking and wonderful woman. I, I, I think Dan Feeney just knows his role so well in this team. Be a ball of energy be a guy who can come in and play games and be a backup. Just a good dude. I, I wish him. there were more like offensive line stats. Cause you go on like pro football from reference, not focus. And it's like, all right, Dan Finney started his last, like whatever, 48 games. Like, what does that even mean? Like his AV is low. So he's probably not that good, but like, what, how do I distinguish Dan Finney as a player? He's got crazy hair. Yeah. I'm happy to have him. I like it's good depth, good experience. You know, obviously good locker room guys. So, but it's hard to evaluate this guy. This is a tough one here. This is the question that a lot of people I think are looking forward to. Um, a merry fuck kill of Manish made a Samini and, and DJ enemy. <laughs> I don't. Even, I mean, well, I think I, I don't know. I, I think I have an answer. I would marry. <laughs> I would marry Rich Samini because I think he probably has the most money. Fair, no, fair enough. And I'll fuck DJ. Oh god, okay. I think I, I think anyone who looked at like, that would do would probably say those three because also Samini, he's old, a lot of money, right? Yeah, is he Jewish? Yeah. You think that would be easier for my grandma to handle? Yeah, she would. <laughs> Mike's grandma was looking forward to him marrying a nice young Jewish girl. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Not gonna but, happen. Uh, and DJ, then, I think I would anyway, like regardless of this scenario. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you would. DJ will uh, <laughs> probably never come back on the podcast again, but we, we, we answer the hypotheticals that are provided. We, what we am I going to do? I don't make the rules. Don't just, make the rules. Just enforce uh, them. Someone named Ron Mexico said, oh, I love Ron. Leaving out cause because <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't want to fuck Costello, which is a good, <laughs> good, good response. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Our boy, Wani. Juan, Juan, huge friend of the program. Um, you know, he asked, would you rather play on a team coached by Adam Gaze or fight Andrew Galato for one three-minute round? I think that dude, like, is notorious for kicking people in the nuts. Low, yeah. Yeah. So or punching. So, I guess if you're an NFL player, if he's asking me, I'd play for Gaze because I want to play in the NFL. But, like, an average person in the NFL – probably take the fight for three minutes and have your another coach because at least like Adam Gase can actually ruin your career. Yeah, dude. What if like, what if you were like a receiver and you could play for Adam Gase or Sean Payton? Yeah. And Adam Gase can financially take money from you and your family. I, I need that to be very clear. His game planning and what he does on the field takes money from players and their family. They don't get second contracts, right? They are frowned upon by the NFL. <laughs> the Gates Freedom Watch is great, and they play good away from Gates, but they're on like $1 million contracts. Robert Salah came in here and said, I hope every player gets all the fucking money in the world. Adam Gates wants no one to have anything. Adam Gates hates money and success. 
and happiness yeah. puppies uh, lyle yeg what are the chances elijah moore does the dog pee celebration again one of the all-time college football moments one of the all-time college football moments but hey he did I'm it surprised because he's like yeah. all about god and like <laughs> you know being a good dude He's like pissing on the field. The best was he I, – I don't know if it was predetermined or it was an act of God because he immediately did it, right? It was not even <laughs> – like I think he stood up and like, was like, why the flag? And I, maybe he like didn't even remember doing it. It just blacked out. And it was like blacked out. God. Well, we talked about the Jets' celebrations and like obviously the Isaiah Crowell. We talked about the Jets' most disrespectful celebrations. Like that would be right up there. Because Isaiah Crow wiping his ass was on there, but that was kind of the only one that didn't work out. If you're side note too, if you're gonna piss on the field, like you have to win the game. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair so. enough. Well, another, I mean, this is kind of sidetracking, but LSU and A and M had the seventy point brawl. They each scored seventy, and Coach O got Gatorade bath, and there's a flag on the play. And a and converted and won the game on a two-point conversion. <laughs> like a minute later, which is great because Gatorade comes, flag, automatic first down, touchdown, two-point. Coach O goes over and shakes Jimbo's hand, covered in Gatorade. <laughs> great moment. Coach O is hilarious. All right, Gino to Owusu, TD. Oh, AJ's the, the best. Would you rather watch this year's team, coached by Adam Gage, for the next four years or two years with last season's team, coached by Robert Slaw, but the quarterbacks are only Luke Falk and Mike White. <laughs> so you put that asterisk knowing that you would probably pick. I definitely would have picked the Sam and Robert Sala. So Luke Falk, say Mike White. We'll put Mike White as the starter on this year's team with Gage for four years or Salah. I'm going with Salah with two because if he takes last year's team – and build the young core. He could be the coach year three or four. Gase literally is a four-year coach now. I don't want to watch four more years. No. So it's Gase and Mike White for four years? With this roster. Oh, no, no, no. I think he means that, like, Gase has the current roster, but Sala has, like, the QB depth chart of Luke Falk and Mike White. Like, why would we pick Adam Gase and Mike White over over Robert Sala and Luke Falk for less time? No, well, you, well, I think what he's saying is Luke, Mike White is always the quarterback. Luke Falk is always the backup quarterback, right? Yes. It's oh, in like each scenario. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I'd much rather have Sala for two years. Maybe but I guess I this, year, this year's roster is better than last year's. Is right, the point. that's the point. I still would rather, I agree, I'd have them for two years. James Bach, would you rather go through the entire football season – with Adam Gates as your head coach, or, <laughs> or try to tackle a running back with Mackay Becton as the lead blocker one time. I, Bro, I'm not scared of any NFL players. I'll fucking crush somebody. But I want to play in a full football year. That's why I would play for Adam Gates. Also, I'm the type of guy Adam Gates would use 240 times. Wait, we're, no, we're playing under Gates in this one? I think so. Oh, we, no, maybe I'm dumb. I think we no, watch. Any level of skill. No, I think, yeah, we play football. Oh, fuck yeah, I'll play. I'm telling you, he, Adam Gates would look at me and be like, this guy is going to lose us every game. He needs the ball 4,000 times. Well, yeah, either. All right, so there's three things that would happen. It's that, what you just said. Number two, you'd be like the sixth or seventh string receiver, and everyone would get hurt in front of you, and you'd play. Or three, Peyton Manning's the quarterback, and you have like 85 catches for 1,000 yards. 
Fair. It's all good Very things. Fair. Very fair. Uh, we got three more. Um, Mike Kozlinski. Mm. Mike went ahead and wants to know about the quarterback and corners. So do you think they're preserving the cap to roll over and choosing to develop players or believing in their ability to coach up? So really just asking again what we think about why they're doing it. Well, we famously don't know how money rolls over. Don't know. It makes no sense. And we asked, we asked Connor Hughes about it. And I, he gave us like a normal answer, but it like, I think it's all about like flexibility, but how does signing a guy to a one-year contract affect next year's cap? It should not, right? It can't. It can't. It, it can't cannot. In any way. It physically in any can't. Way. But I think it does. But and we're I missing how maybe, that happens. Let's talk through it. Maybe if you're, you have 25 million plus rollover, right? That maybe is like a, a thing. Maybe like an incentive bump, like an up of 1% yeah. of your salary up more because you, but that, it does not. It's a salary cap. But doesn't that in, like reward tanking and not getting guys? Like, yeah, but then maybe, eventually you have to spend like a certain amount of your cap. You, yeah, what the fuck? Then like, it's always like, it out. it's always like the Jets have like $110 million in cap space. They have to spend like $98 million. So fucking stupid. All right. Oh, I lost my my spot. Okay. Should Dan Feeney change his number to 69? Very simple yes. question. Very simple answer. Probably. As as Kevin Harlan once said, yes. Was that more of Albert? Yes. From three. That's I think yes. more of Albert. It is more of Albert, right? That's NBA Kevin? Live 03, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. Did he die? Oh, no, he retired. His son is also an announcer, Kenny Albert. Is the yep. other guy on Fox. Jiffy Pop asked a question, and there's only one right answer to it. And I, I'm not going to knock him. It's a, it's a good question. People debate it. I don't. Would you rather have a surprising 10 or 11 win season followed by a wild card beatdown? I saw this. Or five there, wins? There is, is only there one answer. moral victories? Some moral victories and better draft position when winning five games. It's not like even close. So the reason why you, you always go to the playoffs is this. Yes. You watch your team play football 16, now 17 times in a 365-day calendar year. You don't ever watch your team play. Be, if you're an NBA fan, you get 82 games. MLB, 162. You get 16 games to root for your team. If they win five games, most of those games probably – had no meaning to it after week six because they're already out of the playoff hunt. They're one and four. So you need your team to make the playoffs every year. Now, a good argument would be if your team is seven and eight, end of the year, out of the playoffs, do you want them to win week 17 or lose week 17? My argument has always been this. You can get good guys at 14. You can get good guys in the 11th pick, right? On paper, it's probably best to lose, right? On paper. But... How about this? Your quarterback goes out there and throws for 300 yards, right? Say they go out against a team like Green Bay in week 16, go to overtime against Aaron Rodgers. What if they won that game? All right, who gives a fuck, right? What if Bryce Hall gives up one catch on eight targets against the number one receiver in the NFL? That's a momentum game going to next year and next camp. Like Things matter in each game, and I think too many times people worry about the draft pick. Too many times. Yes. And they ignore 
The Jets need guys to play 17 games this year and have full normal seasons. Like, if the quarterback gets hurt in week 12, 2017 is a good example. Josh McCown got hurt in like week 12 or 13, and everyone was playing really well. Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse. Uh, you know, the Jets are moving the ball. We're five and seven. McCown goes down, and this fucking Bryce Petty comes in and just sucks for the last four games. Everything gets ruined. They, they lost like 19 to three, 26 nothing, blah, blah, blah. All the stats are destroyed. The players' confidence is gone. Guys don't know where they stand on the team. Hard to build on that. But it's you much, much, much rather have a 10 or 11 win season, go to the playoffs. Also, you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs in football. If you're a hot team going into, into, uh, into the playoffs, you could win games. Like you could literally win the Super Bowl in football anytime, especially the Jets have a very good defense. They have a cool coach. Uh, you know, like if they were to make the playoffs this year, you'd have to assume those things were, were, were to happen. The Jets probably have like a top 10 defense. Um, I don't know if they're going to put up like 35 points a game, but man, what I would do for a 10 or 11 win season, what I would do. I would do a lot. I would do a lot. And I think you made a really good point about the playoffs. Even in years past, like there's games that you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Right. What if in 2009, the Jets said, oh, we have no chance to make the playoffs. Let's not get any cornerbacks, blah, blah, blah. And then they almost went to the Super Bowl with Sanchez. And the, one the 2008 Jets were much better than last year. Nobody but. told the Titans were going to beat the Ravens in 2019. No one thought. No one. An MVP guy who couldn't be stopped looked really – I mean, he, I think he ended up throwing for 300 yards, but it was a pedestrian yeah. game by his standards. He threw like 58 passes. I'm looking at last year, right? The Steelers were an 11-0 team. Everyone knew they, they really weren't an 11-0 team. They lost a lot of games down the stretch, but – you get a Browns team, goes on the road, and beats the shit out of Pittsburgh. Like, and Pittsburgh was a six-point favorite that game. Murders I was watching them. a weird movie about like some girl having a failed pregnancy while I was watching that game. Fascinating. It was weird. It was weird. Right. It right. just stuck in my brain. It like freaked you got me it. out. If it's in your brain, you got to say it. I'm fine with that. At <laughs> what any a podcast point, is. <laughs> that's what a podcast is. Then the Browns go ahead and go to Arrowhead. And they had an opportunity to stop the Chiefs on fourth down and with Chad Henney and win. Yeah, exactly. Not even Patrick Mahomes. They should have won. They're so stupid. But uh, look, yeah, exactly. Any team you can win in the playoffs in football, you saw the Giants beat the Patriots in 2007 is the most possible example of that. Like, but I also think, like last year, think of like the Rams beat the Seahawks on the road. At, like, no one would have picked The that. Rams were like a made fun of team. People forget. People were like, the Rams have a good defense. Their offense is kind of embarrassing. They've Jared Goff does nothing. And he was hurt. They beat Seattle. Uh, fuck it. Who cares? Yes. Make the playoffs and win. And look at the NBA this year. Everybody got hurt. There's a path for a lot of teams to win the title this year that maybe wouldn't normally have a good chance to win. What if the Jets make the playoffs and like – Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are hurt for some reason. Like, we don't want that, but you don't know what would happen. Or Mahomes is out and Lamar Jackson's out. Bang, the Jets have a fucking chance. You never take things for granted, especially in football. Things change quickly. I'm, I want to go for it now, as long, especially while Zach Wilson's on his rookie contract. This is the time to surround, to put as many sick players in one spot as possible. But another thing that bothers me, too, is if you go, say the Jets make the wild card and lose the Titans 45 nothing. Sure. Right? The only person you have to hear to as a Jet fan, maybe Titan, Titan fans making fun of you, right? You are a playoff team. 14 of them get there, right? 14 now? No, less. Oh, yeah, 14. It's still 14 seven teams, there, yeah. Right? 
That's too many. It is too many, but I want to be one of them because it it's been too long. Yes. But if you look at the playoffs team last year, I actually like all those teams. Like I can make an argument that all of them are good teams, and then you can say, eh, the Redskins, but they won their fucking division, so they deserve to get in any year. So I was actually okay with the, the wild card format last year. But if I told 100 Jet fans, would you rather get a top 10 pick and go 5-11, and 5-12 and 12 now, or get 45 nothing murdered in the wild card against the Titans. Out of 100 fans, I, I genuinely believe this, 30 to 35 would say, I hope you lose. And I think 60-65 are, are going to say, or 65-70 would be like, you know what, I, I want to make the playoffs. Because the reason that's the answer, think of all those wins throughout the year. Cool moments. So many good moments. Zach Wilson rolls out right, hits Tyler Croft for a game-winning touchdown. Like, maybe we... Buccaneers hit their starters towards the end of the year and we fucking beat them. Like, like those matter. They do. Of course they matter. Think about all the games, like, even like 2015, I think of all, all these games so we fondly. Every fucking game in 2015. And in 2015, we have to say every time we watch the highlights, like, oh, like, fits the week 17, Buffalo, the, like, you can't do without saying that. If the Jets make the playoffs next year, we don't have to say that. You could say something about the playoff game, but that's completely different. Yeah, and a, a, a thing I just realized is I can tell you where I was for every game in 2015. Yes. I can't do that for – you know what? I probably could do it for the past two years. Maybe not because every game is fucking terrible. No, but, the last years are probably stuff that we really forgot because it's super – like the Seahawks game. But I know where I was. I was on a plane. <laughs> for the Seahawks game, right? I was at my yeah. house, right? But like looking at 2015, right? We were sophomores in college. At the home opener, Monday Night Football, I watched it in my room with my, or in my buddy's room at college with my roommates. Eagles game, you came, we got bagels the morning of. That's the Brandon Marshall uh, <laughs> lateral. The <laughs> Dolphins, we watched that year. Like, I remember all of this, and it's very cool to look back on a year like that. Now, what if 2015 happened six times every decade? Who would have fucking thought? Not like, once. Not you know? once. <laughs> God right. damn it. We're having fun here. It's been good. I think we've done almost an hour. So we've made up for the time that we haven't been. I always am off by the time though, because I'll finish editing the pod of like 48 minutes. And- I think when you said we were recording for 30 minutes, it was like 10 minutes before <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Oh God. Yeah. This is what happens when I get a brand new puppy and my brain is mushed. You have oh. a child. Basically, have a child, but dude, we're getting close to the season. When pre-season. is the first preseason game? The fourteenth, the Saturday. Is it Saturday? Yeah, Holy yeah. And, you know, what are we doing for that? Well, are your friends are doing the we'll, draft? We'll, we'll talk after the pod, but yeah, we'll leave it there. Very fun time, Mike. As always, I'm very, very happy. The preseason games do matter. You get to watch your guys in your uniform throw a football around for a full game. Full game, three hours. Enjoy it. Love it. And Mike, any parting words for the, the listeners here? We're going 11 and, 11 and 6. Yeah. More, we, the closer we get to the season, the more sure that I am. Of I that. love it. All right. Talk to you later, buddy.